Uh, hey, welcome to Lindsay Lane East, man. Thank you guys so much. Um, I know on a rainy, nasty day, uh, it'd have been easy to hang out at the house and uh, just not come out. But thank you guys for coming out, uh, worshiping together. Actually, we're going to be talking about uh, some things uh, regarding that later on. But hey, if you're new here, if it's your first time worshiping with us, uh, or you just haven't received our first time guest gift yet, uh, we ask that you take the car from the bag of seat in front of you, and that is your ticket today for your very own free gift uh, right at Next Steps. You can take that card to Next Steps in the lobby on your way out today, and they'll give you a free Lindsay Lane East t-shirt and uh, some information about our church. Just it'll help you, you know, um, make a decision about where God would have you uh, worship. And so uh, today we're, we're beginning a new series we're calling Steps, and uh, what we're going to be trying to do over the next three weeks is really lay out uh, the simple things that we do. Uh, I'm going to tell you, when, when I was a when, when Lindsay Lane East was started eight years ago, uh, I knew uh, I knew a founding pastor Andy John King. I knew him. Um, I knew uh, the staff. Some of the staff was in place. Um, I knew some of the. I'd met some of the key volunteers, the key leaders that were here. There's one thing though that I've always admired about Lindsay Lane East, and it's one of the reasons why it was so easy uh, for me to give up where I was and the role I was in to come here and serve as pastor. And we're actually going to be talking about, over the next three weeks, the one thing that was so awesome that was the decision maker for me, and I believe why our church um, is uh, will continue to see God's hand of blessing on us. And it's because we do simple things. We do a few simple things, and we do them really well. Um, that's not the case for every church. A lot of churches try to do everything, and they have 14 different things you can be a part of any week. Uh, we don't do that here. Uh, we try to do three things, and we try to do them really well. And so when people come to me and they say, hey, I want to join this church, the good news is I don't have to say, well, there's 14 different things you can do this week to get involved. People say, hey, I, want, I had somebody tell me this morning, I want to get more connected to the church. I didn't say, well, there's 14 different things you can do. I said, there's three. And that should be good to hear. What's up, JJ? Sorry, I didn't mean to draw attention to you. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen JJ in a while. Recovering from surgery. God, that's awesome, dude. Praise the Lord. Hey, um, so that's what we're going to be talking about the next three weeks. These are the three things that we, we're, we're asking all of our membership, even if you signed on before I got here and you heard these three words. I'm like, I didn't sign up for that. You did. You just didn't know it. Or if you're new to our church and you're like, hey, man, what's this church like? What would it look like to be a member here? These are the three things. Gather, we gather, we group, and we move. That's it. Anything we do here has got to fit in one of those three categories. If it doesn't, it gets the axe, all right? And so we're going to be taking gather today. We'll talk about group next week. We'll talk about move the week after. And then we'll be offering our East 101 at the end of that, um, which is our membership uh, course that will be um, after that. And so you can take that and actually... Uh, begin the process of joining our church. But um, I believe, I literally believe through the eight years, the reason why God's hand of blessing has been on this church is because of that one thing. Um, and I believe it's why God will continue to bless us. We're doing a few things and we're doing them really well. So today we're going to talk about what it looks like to gather. And we say we gather. What does that mean? Um, so I'm going to open us up by reading a passage of scripture. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Uh, we're going to look at a lot of things today, um, but I hope you'll hang in there with me and that God will use our time together to, to, to build you up. So I'm going to begin in verse 19. 
um, begins with a familiar word that we'll address later. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me voice a prayer, and then we'll we'll dive in here. Father, we thank you, God, that... Um, uh, that that you didn't leave us alone in this world, God, um, to to figure out who you are, God, to figure out what life looks like, to figure out our purpose. Um, but God, you gave us your word, uh, God, the the Bible, and uh, God, I'm so thankful that when we read it, God, we can know it's your words, and we can know that uh, that you you're wanting to teach us about who you are. And so, God, I pray that today, uh, that that's exactly what happens, God, not that we learn. Um, uh, what this church is about more so than we, we learn who you are and, and who we are in light of who you are. And so, Father, I pray that you've got our time today, and may it be a time of blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, so we are looking at the most basic step. So when somebody, if somebody just came to, my, came to me and said, hey, I want to start getting connected here, what do I need to do? The first thing I say is we gather. We gather. And we gather in two big ways here at East. We gather for worship, and we gather for fellowship. And some of y'all are drawn to one of those or the other. Right? <laughs> some of you guys love coming into our worship services, and like it fires you up, like you love singing, you love, maybe it's the, the message time that you love, you're a note taker and you love all that. But some of y'all love our fellowships, don't you? Hey, Amen. Hey, we've got uh, one coming up this Wednesday night is our family feud night. Uh, which was really, really fun last year. So I encourage you to come back to that this Wednesday night. It's our fellowship time, um, and we'll be playing Family Feud. We tried to get a guest host in, um, but Steve Harvey was booked up <laughs> and is really expensive. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, he wasn't available, so you'll just have to come and see what that looks like. But um, but that's the two things we do. And so we worship. we worship weekly. We worship every Sunday. We're going to continue to do that, but we also we gather in worship and we gather in fellowships. And so, if you want to if you want to be a part of our church, you need to be a part of those two things. But I believe in the text we just looked at in, in Hebrews ten nineteen through twenty five, there are four glaring things that help us understand what true worship is. And so, I want to show you these four things today, um, and uh, and hopefully God God will edify all of us. The first thing is this uh, point number one. If you're a note taker, there's a prerequisite for true worship. A prerequisite for true worship, okay? Something that's got to happen before. And so, um, but before we, I'm going to talk about what that is. There, Hebrews 10, 19 begins with a word that we just can't ignore, right? The word therefore. We talk about this a lot. If you're going to be a good student of God's word, you can't get to the word therefore and just breeze on like it's anything. Like we've got to slow down and ask the question. Here at East, we call those connecting words. What they're doing is they're connecting parts of the text together. And so what we've got to do is we've got to ask the question, what's going on? When the word therefore is there, we look up above the text that we're reading right now and asking, what's going on there? And so in the verses leading up to verse 9, the author of Hebrews is speaking about the sacrifice of Christ that he made on our behalf and, and what he accomplished for us. And what he's doing in that is helping us understand that there is no need for another sacrifice. 
when Christ gave up his life for me, there was now no need for another. I don't have to go. I don't have to find a priest somewhere and kill a lamb anymore. I don't have to do anything to myself. I don't have to deprive myself of anything so that God continues to give me salvation. In Christ, in his death, he accomplished all that is necessary for me to be saved. That leads into verse 19. Therefore, because Christ has already accomplished everything required for your salvation, therefore, brothers and sisters. And then he uses the word since, which is the same thing. Like it's another therefore. He says, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. And he goes on that Christ has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. And he goes on to say that he is our great high priest. Now, all of that is triggered language. Okay, when we come to the Bible, what you got to realize is the New Testament authors were groomed and heavily meditating on the Old Testament. So if, if you've been a Christian, for I was a Christian for a long time before I really dove into the Old Testament. Because just... Uh, for me, I, did, I wanted to, uh, Christ, like his life and his teaching and, and those that followed him, like that's what I wanted. I wanted to hear about Jesus and, and I just ignored the Old Testament. Like I colored the pictures. If you were raised in church, you colored the pictures and you did the crafts and all that, right? In Sunday school or whatever. And so I knew those stories, but I didn't understand what was going on. And so when we come to the New Testament, what we've got to realize is that the, the people that wrote the New Testament are coming to the, they're sitting down to write it, having heavily meditated on the Old Testament. And so there's things for us that we can just read over and breeze over. But So I want to explain this to you, make sure you understand. When it says that Jesus has provided a way, bold access to God's presence, that's a new idea in the Bible. <laughs> Somebody boldly coming into God's presence. Why might someone not want to boldly approach God? Open-ended question. Because we're scared why? Because we sin. <laughs> Exactly. The whole Old Testament, the message is the presence of God is scary because we're sinners and he's holy. Like literally people who enter into the presence of God wrong die. Like we see that in the text. But here Jesus, or the author of Hebrews is telling us that because of Jesus, we can boldly go into God's presence. That's a new idea. If you're, if you're a Jewish person reading the Old Testament, when that comes across, you're like, hold up. Huh? You boldly access, how? Okay. How did the, how did, in the Old Testament, they had a temple. Okay. In Jesus' day, they had what's called the second temple because the first one got knocked down and they got rebuilt. But there was this temple, and, and the way it was built is there would, it would be these corridors, these courtyards, and it, it kept getting smaller and smaller. And as you got to the most inner place, what they called the most holy place, was this inner room that was surrounded by a really huge, thick curtain. And it was behind this curtain that God's people were told by God, that's where I am. They knew that God was everywhere, but God had told God had told Moses back a long time ago in the book of Exodus, he had said, I want a place where I can be among my people, a place where people will know that God is there. And that was the most holy place. And there was one man allowed to go in, the high priest, not just a normal priest, the high priest. One guy was allowed to go into the presence of God and he could do it one time a year. And he did it with like this scared to death because he knew even as the high priest he got sin 
So he would literally wash himself multiple times. He would make sacrifices for himself, and then he could go into God's presence. And he went in there, and he sprinkled blood, and he got out real quick. But here Jesus is saying, so there's three things going on. We have bold access, and then he says something about that curtain, that no longer is there a curtain that we enter into God's presence. There's Jesus' flesh. Do you see that? So, again, our New Testament authors, uh, the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, they tell us that when Jesus died, something happened in the temple. That seems like a weird detail. (laughs) Uh, There was a little redecorating that went on in the temple. (laughs) It says when Jesus breathed his last, that the curtain that separated everyone else from the presence of God was ripped from top to bottom. What does that do? Now, not all... It opened the presence of God to everyone who was in the temple. Jesus, the author of Hebrews tells us that that is Jesus' flesh. Now, no longer do we have to peel curtains back. Christ peeled his flesh back for us. And that's gory. That wasn't in my notes. That came across rough. But he did. His body was broken. He was, Jesus was ripped open so that we can now enter God's presence. Through his blood. Again, that's what it says. And it says that he's the great high priest. We don't know, we no longer need a high priest. I'm not your high priest. Don't call me father. Don't call me, like, that's not who I am. I'm not your priest. Because you have access to God right now. You can worship God right now. You don't need me. You don't need me. We need Christ. He is the one who makes a way for us for God to hear our voice and for us to worship God. And so I say all that to say this. There is a prerequisite for true worship. You must have accepted Christ's sacrifice on the cross to redeem your sins. You have to be a follower of Jesus to truly worship God. Now, what that doesn't mean is we're going to stand at the door and we're going to check your card when you come in. You a Christian? If not, get out of here. That's what we're doing. If you're not a believer in the room, I do. We're so pumped you're here. We hope you don't think we're weird because we kind of are. But like, we want you to experience what we, because here's what I know. If, if, if somebody in the room is not a Christian and you accept Jesus today, I can promise you next Sunday when you come in, it's going to be different. It's going to be different because now you can enter through the flesh of Jesus into the real presence of God. If you think a worship service is hot as a non-Christian, boy, go on and get saved and roll up in here. It gets hot real quick because the Spirit of God is in you now, stirring in you. You're experiencing the presence of God in a way that you cannot experience until you trust Jesus. And so there is a prerequisite for true worship. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings, We gather here on Sunday mornings. It's an opportunity for those of us who have trusted in Christ to worship God in a real way. And we need to take advantage of that. But also our fellowships. And I know like family feud, Heath, you're talking about we're entering through the flesh of Jesus. A family feud. So it's different, okay? (laughs) I'll give you that. It's different. But we gather, and we'll talk about it here in a second, but we're gathering together. We're gathering to have fun. Y'all have been in churches that ain't fun, And I don't know how Jesus made a way for us to be in the presence of God. How can we not have fun doing that? And so we're going to have family feud. And we're going to probably pray one time. And that's it. But it's God's people gathering together to have fun in the name because we have a purpose, which is to get you to sign up for groups. Sorry, that's the catch. (laughs) 
You come to family feud, we're going to go, awesome. Wasn't this fun? We have fun every Wednesday night at 6.30. Sign up for a group. <laughs> but it's why, we do, it's why we do what we do. And so here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never trusted in Christ, like we, we desperately want you to experience what we get to experience every Sunday. And so today, at the end of the service, I'm going to stand down here like a dope at the beginning of the song that we sing at the end and just look at you. And the reason I do that is I want you to know that we care about you. And, and, and I stand down here and look at you during that song because I want you to come and tell me, I need to be saved. And I'm not going to make you stand down here in front of everybody and creep you out. All we're going to do is just carry you in a side room and have a conversation with you and help you understand how you can trust in Christ today. And next Sunday will be different. And so that's coming up. Um, so we have a prerequisite for true worship. The second thing is this. There's a, there, the author of Hebrews tells us there's a people for true worship. And I told the first service this. I don't always make like all my points start with the same letter. But when I do, I expect you to pay attention. Because right? there will be a quiz. Because right? if I give you just random points, you probably ain't going to remember them. I'm praying that tomorrow morning you can remember two of them. Like That would be good. Tomorrow morning, maybe we can remember two of them. That would be a start for, for me, okay? Um, but people for true worship, here it is. The author of Hebrews uses very particular language when he talks about worship. He doesn't say the word he, you, me, or she. What, is the, what are the pronouns? I know I'm going all literary today, but what are the pronouns that the author used in the text? Do you remember? We and us. Every single time, it's we's and us's. Church, we should pay attention to that. He says, since we have boldness, since we have a great high priest, let us draw near with our clean hearts and our clean bodies. Let us hold on to hope. Let us consider one another. You see this, the whole context of this worship that he's describing here is a gathering of people, not a group of individuals. This is part of why we no longer use the terminology that we used to use. So instead of gather, group, and move, some of y'all have been here long enough to know worship, grow, and serve. Because honestly, if I say, hey, members of Lindsay Lane East, you know what we do? We worship, grow, and serve. Worship, let's take that one. Can you worship anywhere? Yeah. You can worship anywhere. So, but what we see in God's word is, yes, we need to worship everywhere. You need to, you need to be belting out how great is our God on the way to work, and you need to open up your Bible, you know, during the day. and stuff. You need to do those things. But what we see in God's word, just like in Hebrews 10, is that there is a call for us to gather for worship. And the only reason I can think that God would seemingly add something, add an expectation, is if it's important. There's got to be something different about the gathered worship than the private worship. And the God's Word tells us that we've got to gather. And so I'll just say, I'll argue this till I'm blue in the face. Jesus didn't die for individuals. Jesus didn't die for individuals, and God doesn't want the worship of just individuals. God wants the worship of his church because Christ died for the church, a group of people. So, yes, sing in your car. Yes, study your Bible at home. But we need to begin to recognize that worship 
that's occurring in the Bible is communal. It's corporate. It's a gathering of people. Jesus redeemed not just me, but us. So the author of Hebrews is helping us see there's a prerequisite that we only those who have trusted in Christ and, and entered into the presence of God through his flesh can truly worship and that it's not this private thing, though that does happen, but we need to be doing it together. That's why we gather. Because honestly, I could just record my sermons and like send y'all a CD, right? You know, just watch, y'all can listen to it at the house. We just do that. And we don't have to gather. We can turn this into like a skating rink. I don't know. I don't know why a skating rink. Putt-putt, of course. Huh, putt-putt? All right. Well, we, could, we could do something else with this space, but the reason why we keep this space is because it's important for us to gather. And so that needs to be a priority for us, for, for us as individuals going forward is that we gather together communal. The third thing is this that the author of Hebrews tells us, though. There's a purpose of true worship. Listen, it's clear in the Bible that worship exists to exalt the name of God, no doubt. Worship, um, we worship God. We don't worship one another. We don't worship the church. You don't worship your pastor. We worship God. But what the author tells us here is that there's almost a secondary purpose of our worship. There's a way in which we accomplish worship of God. And this is found in verses 24 and 25. He says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. By gathering together, we are put in a place to provoke love and good works and encouragement. I want to ask you a question that's a really scary question to ask because I don't know what you're going to say. (laughs) But are you encouraged to be here on Sundays? Are you encouraged by being here? I hope so. And so there's probably a lot of reasons why you're encouraged. Like maybe you really enjoy the singing. Maybe you really enjoy the message. Maybe you really enjoy Kenny's announcements at the end. Whatever it is that encourages you, like we're glad you're encouraged. And we as a staff actually talk about how we can encourage you more, right? Like we actually do that. Like we want to encourage you as much as possible when we're here. We try to provide our best kids ministry experience because we know that's an, that's a, that's a, an encouragement to moms and dads that you can go drop your kids off and come in here and like just breathe for a second. And that not only are your kids like just watching TV, like watching Netflix in there, like they're being invested in too. They're being encouraged in the word of God over there. And we as a staff do this. And not only that, but we put volunteers in specific places to encourage you. Have people at the door who are greeting you, people on your way out at next steps to help you sign up for groups, hint, hint, and our marriage retreat that's coming up, which money's due today, but talk to us. We had we have people playing instruments and singing like and aren't you glad that like this these TVs just change automatically. We bought these new TVs that just change. That doesn't even require any work. That's a lie. There's a whole team of people. Caitlin being one of them. Caitlin Richardson, all-star on the media team. But like we have people that are serving like they're, that are they're making it making it possible for us to worship like they're they're all trying to encourage you but here in the text you're one of the us's too you're one of the we's and so we gotta ask that we gotta flip the question and say not only are do you feel encouraged but are you encouraging others by being here 
Are you, are you having just intentional conversations? With, and hey, if you're new here, zone me out. Don't, don't even listen. Because I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about those of us that have been here. I'm talking about those that call East home. Are we encouraging being here? Are we encouraging one another? Encouraging people by having these conversations, by, by asking them what's going on in their life, how their week's been? But this text tells us that it's just as important that you encourage other others than if you encourage or encourage yourself. And and there have been times in my life, it's harder now as a pastor because I gotta get my mind ready to preach and all that, but like there it's it's easy, I'm gonna tell you. It's I know it is, so I'm not fussing. It's easy to come in this place and be thinking all about yourself, because I did it a long time. To come in here and go, Man, goodness, I've worked with idiots right y'all, any of y'all work with idiots don't raise your hands kenny's not in here so he can't do it but like you i work with people or my family is crazy and they're driving me nuts and like whatever you have going on it's so easy to spend six days before sunday getting stressed out and tired and war slap out and come in on sunday and go don't talk to me i just need to like i just need to be encouraged i don't want to do anything like I need to be fed. I need to be poured into, like all these terms that we use. And there are going to be seasons in our lives where that's needed. There's going to be seasons in our life where stuff we're going through, it's hard to pour anything out. We do need to be poured into. But that season can't be forever. Because let us consider one another. Let us provoke love and good works in one another. Let us encourage each other. And so if you call East home... Make it a point to begin to ask the question, how can I be more encouraging through the Sunday morning gathering? Because it's part of our worship. True worship involves encouraging other people. And so we've got a prerequisite, we've got people, and we've got purpose. And now I bet you can guess it starts with a P. Here we go. Not that you can guess it, but you can guess it started with a P. Persistence of true worship. The author of Hebrews points out this in verse 25. He says that some people are choosing not to gather for worship. He says, uh, this is 25 here, yeah? Not neglecting, he says, don't neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other all the more. So he's clear, like, it ain't good when you neglect the gathering. When you when you neglect the, the priority of gathering together, that becomes clear. But he, also, he almost seems to be showing you what the opposite of not neglecting is. He says, don't neglect the gathering, but do what? Encourage. So he says... Don't neglect, gather together, some of the habit of doing, but encourage each other. I don't know if you know this or not. But you can come in this worship service, as we just talked, but you can come in here and not encourage anybody. But you can't not come and encourage somebody. Does that make sense? <laughs> you can come in here and not encourage anybody. But if you don't come in here, then you can't encourage anybody. I don't know. Anyway, hang with me. All right, that makes sense, Kate. All right, we're with me. Okay. If you miss, like, and, and, you, and you think, and I know for me, like, uh, a lot of times um, um, I hear from a lot of people, like, hey, well, it's, if I miss, it just, it just lets me down. You know what I mean? I miss out on that. No, 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 church. When you're not here, we miss you. And, like, I don't, when I send you text messages, and I get worried, some of y'all, like, because I may send you a text message and just tell you I missed you or send you an email or something like that. Yeah, but he's trying to guilt us into being back at church. No, I'm seriously not. I, 
I'm sending you that text because I honestly love you. And I want to encourage you. And I know you need to be here to encourage other people. And here's, uh, and Kenny actually shared this after the second service. And I told him I was going to steal it. Um, because it was really good. So this is Kenny's words. But the reason why we all need to be here is my life experience looks like this, right? Kenny's looks like this. Patrick's looks like this. Miss Terry looks like this. That's the four of us on staff. We got volunteers that are served. You can add all those in. But the odds that somebody's going to walk into this place that's going through something right now that hits one of the four of us on staff is rare. It's, it's slim, isn't it? But the odds that somebody's going to walk in this place going through something right now that somebody in the whole church has already dealt with, hey, that's odds I'll take. I'll take those odds. And so that's the beautiful thing. And as Kenny shared after the second service, this week, this week, people that call that are either visiting here or call East home, this is what's going on this week, okay? We had a woman lose her husband way too young. We had, we, had, we, we buried a grandmother. And we had a kid, and this one seems light in comparison to those who put yourselves in the form of a teenage boy who broke both bones in his leg playing sports. And not sure what the rehab looks like on that, right? It's like that's three heavy things. And like we need, we, that's why we need each other. I broke bones, so I can, I can speak to that kid. Right, like, I'll take that one. <laughs> but like, you, we've all got these different life experiences and when we come in together, then we can share and we can help one another. But we've got to, we've, we've got to be willing to do it because if we all come in here and we keep our head down and we just, we don't talk to one another, then we, we won't realize this. And so this is why it's so important for us to get together. Um, but he says, it's not, it, it, it's, it's us gathering together, but this persistence. This persistence. He says, um, not neglecting, but encouraging. And then he says this at the end. All the more as you see the day approaching. I asked a question in the first service, and I asked the second service, and some of y'all that are younger than me, y'all going to think this is weird. But do y'all remember Y2K? Y2K? So some of y'all I heard, huh? Okay. So Y2K was the weirdest moment in my life. <laughs> because the entire world was convinced that our computers were fixing to shut down everything, that we were rolling from 1999 into 2000, and everybody's watching the East Coast. Because, praise the Lord, we didn't have to wait till 12 o'clock our time. We just had to wait till 12 o'clock Eastern time. <laughs> and so everybody was just watching the East Coast to see, because we thought the computers weren't set up to say 2000. They were all going to go back and say 1900. It was something like this, okay? I'm sure there's a much more. But we were convinced that the entire economy was going to shut down because we hadn't built our computers well. And what happened was we're all sitting up and we're waiting. It's 11 o'clock at my house, and we're all watching to see, like, the East Coast just burn and fall into the ground or something. And that was a weird moment. But what, what happened? As that day began to approach, we had people stockpiling weapons. We had people stockpiling food. We had people, do, because they were preparing, hey, this, this is going to be Armageddon. It's fixing to be, it's going to be a battle. It's fixing to be crazy. And that day came and went. And what's interesting, 
Uh, and I'll tell you about one more. Uh, so 9-11, a little bit more somber. Maybe we won't laugh about that one. But like 9-11 was a big day. It was a crazy day, a crazy time in America especially. Not knowing what the future holds. Like what, what? And the same thing happened. People stockpiling guns. <laughs> They're stockpiling food. And we're uncertain about what the future holds. But what you may not know is what happened in the church during those times. You may know what happened. Hey, there were no empty seats. Folks are coming everywhere. Why? Because the end was near. But you know what happened after Y2K? We got more time. And they left. You know what happened after 9-11? We realized the bombs eventually stopped. You know, the attack stopped. And we were like, oh, okay. And so people began to migrate back to normal life. That's what this is getting at. That's what, that's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. That it's a natural tendency for you when you think the world's ending <laughs> that you begin to ask questions. He uses a term, the day. He says, as you, at all the more, that, that you should be not neglecting the gathering but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. And that may seem weird. If you're not, if you're, if you're not reading the Old Testament and paying attention, you're going to see the day and go, what's he talking about? The Old Testament, again, tells us very clearly, and you're going to get tired of hearing about the day of the Lord because we're fixing to do it in February. We're going to go through the minor prophets, or the first four anyway, and we're talking about the day of the Lord every week. But the day of the Lord was this idea. It goes all the way back to Moses when God led his people out of Egypt. But it's this idea that God is going to bring, God is going to bring judgment on who he needs to bring judgment, and he's going to bring restoration where restoration is needed. Two things, judgment and restoration. And that's what the day becomes all throughout the Old Testament. That's what they talk. They're all looking forward to the day. And then some of the minor prophets that we'll talk about in February start going, no, some of y'all don't need to be looking forward to the day because you're not on the right side of it. And that idea gets picked up by the New Testament authors, realizing that there is a day coming in which God's justice and God's restoration is going to come to the earth. And the question is, which side are you going to be on? We'll see all the way up through the end of Revelation. And so he's saying, if the day, the day of God's judgment and God's restoration is coming in the future, what does that mean for us? The author of Hebrews tells us, if you see the day of... Now, here's what I know. I'll add to Y2K and 9-11, I'll add COVID-19 virus. Because if I've heard anything in the last two years, with, of course, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there was political unrest Right There's all this stuff that's going on in the news. It wasn't just a virus. There's a lot of stuff. And a lot of people begin to say, it's near. Hey, he's coming. It's here. Mm. And it's fine. Because here's what I can tell you. We're closer today than we were yesterday. I do know that. I don't know how close we are. But I know we're closer than we were yesterday. And so if we take that, if, we t- if, if, if you're one of these people that believes that the Lord's coming tomorrow because of what we're going through, then let me give you some steps. That's what the series is called, right? Some steps. Don't neglect the gathering of worship. Don't neglect the gathering of fellowship. And encourage one another. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Don't neglect, but encourage. And so as we begin, and I I don't know. The Lord may tarry thousands of more years. I don't know. But what I do know is we're closer today than we're yesterday. So what needs to begin to happen in my heart as a believer is I begin to become more devoted to the things of God every day, right? As every year passes, I need to be more devoted because I know I'm closer to the day of the Lord. So I got to begin to ask these questions. And what I do know 
is that the new year is a great time to make new commitments. And so as we look at this this passage uh, from the book of Hebrews, um, just to walk back through those, for some of you, a new commitment can begin today right now by trusting in Christ as your Savior. And I know you're just taking my word for it and in some scripture that maybe you don't even believe in. But I promise you, have a conversation with us about what salvation is. You don't have to say yes. But let us talk with you about how you can trust in Christ. And then pray about whether that's what God would have you do. Because I promise you, I'm telling you, Sunday next Sunday will be different. Man, next Sunday will be different. You'll experience the presence of God in a way that you never have. This week will be different. Because Jesus Christ, while we were separated from God because of our sin, Christ made a way for us to be brought back. And if we'll repent of our sins and trust in Jesus, we can experience that. Uh, Cam spoke at a funeral this week. Uh, Mama Brenda, sweet, sweet lady. And Cam, Cam got to share with everybody that was there that if you'll trust in Christ, you can be made right with God. He did a great job doing it. And it was so cool because he ain't a preacher. But he got to share the gospel. And so today I want to tell you, and I'm not going to ask Cam to come up here and do it, but he'll tell you the same thing. Trust in Christ today. Trust in Christ. We're going to sing a song here in a second. Patrick can come on up and, and start getting ready. Uh, we're going to sing one more song. This is a time of response. And you may want to come and talk with me about how you can trust in Christ. I'll talk to you right down here. And then, like I say, we'll, we'll carry out somewhere else. And we'll have that conversation so you're not having to do it right up here in front of everybody. We just want to tell you how you can be saved. That's a prerequisite for true worship. Second thing and the third thing were the people and the purpose. Y'all, worship ain't just about you. Worship's not just about, it's not your, your, the thing I love about Christianity and the hardest thing about Christianity is it's us. Right? There's times where I need us. When I'm going through a hard time, like I, I love the fact that Christianity is communal based, but then there's times where honestly, it'd be easier if it was just me and God. When I get hurt by people in the church sometimes, right? Yeah, it can happen. But that's not the way Christianity is. We've got to take the good and the bad. It's a communal thing. We're in this together. And so today, if you need to make a new commitment here in 2022, that I'm going to be committed to, to, the, to this body or another body. I don't care where you worship. I'm going to care some of the things that they believe. I want to make sure you find a good one. But I want to make sure, like, if, if you want to make a new commitment today, uh, for 2022 to begin to, to engage, to encourage more, uh, to change the way that you walk into those gray doors back there. Begin to act different. Encourage other people in here and have conversations. And the fourth thing, uh, so maybe that's a decision you want to make today. You can come to this altar and pray for other people or pray out where you are. And the fourth thing we talked about is persistence. As I said, y'all, I don't know how much longer we got, but what I do know is it's getting shorter and shorter. And so if, if the end is near, if Christ is returning and, and bringing justice and restoration sometime in the future, like I, I want to take steps now to begin to live for him. And so maybe you just needed that wake-up call that we don't have forever. Whatever it is for you, I'm going to say a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand down here, like I already told you, uh, for the first part of the song. If you need to come talk to me, I'd love to talk with you. Then I'm going to slide to the front row, but I'm still here to talk with you. And then um, if you need to come to the altar and pray for yourself or for somebody else, that's all open to you as well. Um, pray right where you are. Honestly, some of you, you may just want to lift up your voice today. Maybe you came in heavy hearted and you weren't ready to worship. And after this message, you're like, dude, I need to, re- I need to, can we rewind? Can we, can we hop in the time machine <laughs> and go back 
Well, this is your opportunity. We're going to sing one more song. Let's worship God like we should have when we came in. Let's respond to him however we need to. I'm going to say a word of prayer. After I say amen, let's stand and then we'll sing. Father God, I thank you that, uh, uh, God, that there is um, there's clarity in your word, God, about uh, what it looks like to worship you. And, and God, I praise you that you didn't leave it up to us. Cause boy, we'd, made a, we'd make a mess out of that. But God, you, you made a way, f- you, you told us what it looks like to worship you. And God, I pray that today as a church, that as we begin to talk and even more in the future about gathering together for worship and fellowship, God, I pray that um, that we would always use the time that we gather together, God, for intentional things. And God, that we wouldn't, that Lindsay Lane East would not be known as a church that wastes time, but God, uses time for your glory. And God, I pray that uh, that you just move in our hearts. God, if there's anybody here who's never trusted in you, I pray that they would today, God, and they would experience uh, what true worship can feel like, God. We love you, and we thank you for sending Jesus to die for us and for continuing to show us grace. Use us during this time and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand, sing, respond.